Why are we here? Jesus knew why he was here when he came to planet Earth, and as his followers, he wants us to know why we're here. Why is Cornerstone Church here in Watertown, South Dakota in 2024? We weren't always here. In 1911, a pastor with the last name of Young, Pastor Young, uh, set up a big tent on the corner of 4th Street and 2nd Avenue Northeast. In that big tent, he held meetings uh, for numbers of days. And out of those meetings, he formed a Sunday school of 15 people. And that's how we began. That was us. Fast forward 113 years, here we are, different location, not a tent, we're in a building, not a Sunday school of 15 people, but a church that about 1,000 people call home. And it'd be interesting to investigate, well, how did we get from 15 people to where we are today? But the more important question is, why? Why did Pastor Young come to Watertown in 1911 and set up a big tent on an empty street corner and hold meetings to tell people about Jesus? Why? I don't know, don't have his sermons, don't have his journals. But we can answer the question, why are we here today, in 2024? We did that last Sunday. We are here to help people find their spiritual home in Jesus Christ. That's why we are here as a church. And you may or not have figured this out yet, but all that we do, we actually do to help people find their home in Jesus, their spiritual home. So for instance, we serve coffee and donuts to make you feel more relaxed and at home it's just the first little step in helping you find your home in Jesus. Uh, our worship team leads us in singing psalms of faith that kind of help us open our hearts up to God's spirit. We present messages that explain the Bible and invite you to believe in and trust and follow Jesus. We have stuff going on for adults and youth and kids, but it all works together because we want people of all ages to find their spiritual home in Jesus Christ. We are not here to try to be the biggest and best church in town. We are here to help people find their spiritual home in Jesus Christ because in the end, that is all that matters. That's what we're about. And we do, we do this with confidence. Not, it's not self-confidence. You don't go, oh, we, we can change people's lives. We can make your life better. We, no, we can't. We're not self-confident. We're Jesus-confident. Jesus changes everything. And we know if people, as Pastor Luke mentioned, if people surrender their lives to Jesus, things begin to happen. Because Jesus changes everything. And we're so confident that that's where our confidence comes from. Not what we do, but what Jesus by his spirit can do in people's lives. So we talked about that last Sunday. And I said we're going to move on to talking about our core values for five more Sundays. Hope, truth, community, serving, and generosity. Because these core values are the things that help us remain in Jesus, keep depending on his spirit, and keep imitating him as a church family. And today we start with our first core value of hope. What does hope look like? If you had to draw a picture of hope or find a, a, a graphic of hope, what, what would hope look like for you? You might pick this graphic, brightly colored, splashy graphic, kind of grabs the eye, looks fun, makes you feel, you know, some, some positive in that. Or is hope more serious more important and way more life-giving than bright colors. Perhaps hope is more like this picture. Knowing there's a way out. 
knowing that you're not trapped, knowing that there is a light up ahead, knowing there is a future better than today, knowing that you will make it through. That's hope. And there is hope for every person in Jesus Christ. Now, hope isn't something you earn or create on your own. Hope is something that as we trust Jesus, he gives to us. So no one is excluded from the hope that Jesus can give. No person is left out. Now, there is no hope for anyone apart from Jesus. But once someone comes to Jesus, there's hope for everyone. And we exist to help people find that spiritual home in Jesus because that's where they will find hope. Now, there's a lot in the Bible about hope from the beginning to the end. It talks about it often. Even times at which we feel like we don't have any. Just one illustration, the book of Job, disastrous loss. He, he, and one day he finds out all of his children had died, all of his wealth has been robbed, and, he, he, and his health has been taken from him. His very, very poor health and pain. And Job said to his friends, my hopes have disappeared, gone. It happened to Job. It's happened to me. And it may have happened to you. You know, we start out building, like little kids on a beach, we build this magnificent sand castle of what we want our life to look like, and we build all the things we hope for, and we forget that it's the ocean, the tide's coming in. And we can't stop it, and it erases all the things we hope for, and the sand is flattened. Our hopes have disappeared. Back to the other picture. Hope disappears when someone kicks the ladder down and shuts the trap door, and we're left in darkness. The light of hope has disappeared. Job was there. And there are times in life when we feel that our hope is just dissipated. It's gone. But that's not how God, who knows the past, present, and future of our lives, sees our lives. The Lord says there is hope for your future. Hope comes from outside of yourself. You don't make your own hope. The Lord looks at your life just as it is. All the stuff you've gone through... And the Sovereign Lord stands face to face with you, looks you in the eye and says, there is hope for your future. Now, if I say to myself, Steve, there is hope for your future, that's just Steve doing some self-talk. But if the Lord himself, the creator of the universe, says to me, Steve, there is hope for your future, it's true. God says there is hope for my future. God says there's hope for my future. Say it with me. God says there's hope for my future. Once more. God says there's hope for my future. We don't create hope. We place our trust in Jesus and we receive hope from him because he's the one who's gone through a crucifixion death for the sins of the world and he's been raised to a victorious death-defeating resurrection life. He can give hope. So faith and hope, not the same things. Faith, we put our faith or trust in Jesus, and then in return, he gives us this hope. And in the Psalms, it talks about how this hope works. Jesus lifts us up out of despair into hope. We can't do it ourselves. Let's say a person's out in the middle of a big lake. They don't know how to swim. Water's kind of rough. They fall overboard, and they are instantly uh, yards from the boat. They're not wearing a life preserver. They cannot rescue themselves. Not, can create, they cannot create their own hope that they're going to live. They're not. They're going to drown. What they need is somebody in the boat who's a strong swimmer with some lifeguard training to dive in, go over to them, calm them down, and know the technique to tow them back to the boat and get them back to safety. 
Hope comes from outside of yourself. And Psalm 40 talks about this with one interesting twist. We are so confident that the Lord will help us that we actually can wait patiently. The psalm reads, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me, heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud, out of the mire. He set my feet on solid ground, and then he steadied me as I walked along. So at Cornerstone, we know there's hope for every person. We know that when a person cries out to Jesus for help, Jesus will respond. He will lift them up out of the pit, out of the mire of despair. He will set their feet on solid ground. And then Jesus will even steady them as they learn to walk with him. Hope. Hope for every person. Hope for every person in Jesus Christ. And the best thing about this hope that Jesus gives us is that he brings us into the very presence of God. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Book from, uh, words from Hebrews, two images about hope. One's it's an anchor, big, strong, heavy anchor. The ship puts down and it locks onto the rock at the bottom and it's not going to budge. The storms of life come, the winds, the wind, doesn't matter. Jesus, the hope we have in Jesus is this anchor just holds us firm. We're going to be okay. Second image is the image of the, uh, the curtain in the temple. In the temple, there's a big, thick, there was a big, thick curtain uh, that shielded this inner room where the Ark of the Covenant was, the symbol of God's presence, where the Ten Commandments were inside, and no one could go in the room, except for the high priest at certain occasions. Otherwise, the presence of God was closed off from all regular people like you and I. Well, the hope we have in Jesus Jesus leads us right through the curtain, right into the presence of God. Never outsiders again, children of God. And it's that kind of hope that we're in the presence of God that Jesus demonstrated during his earthly life. He went first and showed us what it looks like. Jesus' journey to the cross demonstrated his hope in his Father. One day Jesus told his disciples things they just really didn't want to hear. He said, we're going to Jerusalem. That's where Jesus' enemies were. There I will be handed over to the Romans. I will be mocked, treated shamefully, spit on. They will flog me with a whip and kill me. But on the third day, I will rise again. Jesus was making it clear to his disciples. He knew why he was here. The Father sent him. He knew his death was for the sins of the world. But he, his hope, I'll talk this confident expectation Jesus has, but that the Father would Raise him up. Jesus lived in that sure, solid hope of what the Father could do for him, and we live in the sure hope of what Jesus, the risen one, can do for us. And there's something kind of unique about the hope that Jesus has. He has hope for us when we do not have hope for ourselves. Because there are times in life when we think, I just don't have hope anymore. I'm just going through the day. And we may begin to think, well, boy, this is kind of my fault. I should be able to have hope. I should be able to, there must be something wrong with me. I should be able to put things back together again. But remember in the Bible, hope isn't something we make. Hope is something that Jesus gives us. So Jesus has hope for us when we do not have hope for ourselves. Something unique about Jesus' hope. In John chapter 11, New Testament, there's this story about Jesus uh, his friend Lazarus had died. He'd been dead for four days. And Jesus comes into town. 
and he talks with Martha and Mary, Lazarus, the deceased sisters, and they're in deep grief. They have hope that at the end, Lazarus will be raised, but right now he's dead. His body's been embalmed. It's been put in a tomb, chiseled out of rock, and they put a stone across, and they sealed it. He's dead. He's gone. There's no hope for Lazarus. You might as well just get on with life. The only person in this entire situation who has hope for Lazarus was Jesus. So he has to be taken to the tomb. So they take him to the tomb. There's a stone. Tomb's behind it. And once at the tomb, uh, Jesus said to the people, roll the stone away. And Martha, the deceased sister, who has no hope that this can possibly happen, raised her voice at Jesus and said, Lazarus has been dead for four days. The smell will be horrible. She has no hope. But Jesus did. He kept insisting, roll the stone away. And they finally did. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the once dead Lazarus came stumbling out of the tomb all wrapped up in his grave clothes. Everyone's in shock, except for Jesus. Because Jesus had hope for Lazarus. So if you're ever at a point in your life where you don't have hope for yourself or a loved one or a friend, don't panic. Jesus has hope for you, for your loved one, and for your friend. Because in Jesus, there's hope for everyone. So we live these hope-filled rhythms, Jesus rhythms of up in worship, in and community, out in mission. We go up in worship right now on Sunday morning. We gather together filled with the hope that Jesus will bring us into the presence of God. We're not outsiders. Jesus brings us right to the Father. We go into community. We eat together. We talk together. We pray together. We risk letting people know who we really are because Jesus gives us the hope that we'll be welcomed and accepted. And then we go out on mission into our town, our nation, and our world because we know that everybody needs this hope that only Jesus can bring. All that said... Now I want to give you, as far as I can figure out, the working definition, the Bible's working definition of hope. Hope is not a wish. Hope is a confident expectation. Now when we use the word hope, it means wish. We want something to happen. We, we don't know if it will or not. We can't make it happen. We use the word hope. We just mean wish. This summer, we'll say, I hope it doesn't rain this weekend. That's a wish. Or at the beginning of this winter, we said, I hope this winter will be mild. Well, maybe that wish is actually happening. Or in the spring, I hope we get good spring rains. That's a wish. Can't make that happen. I, wish infl I hope inflation falls down, falls off. Well, that's a wish. We would like these things to happen. We're not sure that they will. In the Bible, hope is not a wish. It's a confident expectation that this will happen. For instance, we do not wish that Jesus will forgive us. We do not wish that Jesus will return at the end. We do not wish that at the end Jesus will make all things new. We do not wish that we will not end up in hell, but will rather be in heaven with Jesus. Because we've surrendered to Jesus and we serve him, we confidently expect that we will be forgiven. We confidently expect that Jesus will return at the end. We confidently expect that Jesus will make all things new and we confidently expect that we will be with heaven in with Jesus. Our hope in Jesus is not a wish. It is a confident expectation. This is a picture of the Mackinac Bridge in Michigan. When my wife Tara and I drive out to Cadillac to visit our kids and grandkids, Cadillac, Michigan, uh, we like to drive the northern route and then come down 
from uh, the UP, Upper Michigan, across the Mackinac Bridge to Lower Michigan, down to where Cadillac is. Uh, the bridge spans five miles of Lake Michigan. The middle of the bridge is 200 feet above the surface of the lake. It contains 4.8 million steel rivets and 1 million steel bolts. And those suspension cables that keeps the whole bridge up was formed uh, through weaving together 42,000 miles of wire. First opened in 1957. And over the last eight and a half years of us living in Watertown, we've been over that bridge many, many times. And it's great to see it as you approach the lake. You can see the bridge. It's magnificent. It looks powerful and strong. And as we enter the bridge, it usually looks this way as you drive up onto the bridge. This day it's cloudy. The sky may be cloudy or sunny, doesn't matter, but you can see these impressive 500 foot plus high towers that hold the suspension cables that hold the bridge up. And it just inspires confidence that you're gonna get across the bridge just fine. But this past February 4th, when we were driving back to Watertown from Cadillac, we encountered something that we had not encountered before to this extent on the bridge, heavy fog. So this is what it looked like as we drove onto the bridge. You could see the beginning, but nothing else. The main bridge supports, unseen. The suspension cables that hold the bridge up, unseen. The other end of the bridge, which gives you the hope that you're going to make it to the, across this five miles of deep lake water, unseen. So if our hope of safely crossing the bridge had been a wish, I would have turned the car around, got off the exit at Mackinac City, got a cup of coffee, and just waited for the fog to lift. And when we could see the bridge then I would go across. But our hope of safely crossing the bridge was a confident expectation. We didn't need to see the entire bridge. We knew it was there. We'd been over it before. So we drove up into the fog that made the bridge invisible with the confident expectation that the bridge that we could not see would bring us safely over. And it did. There's hope for every person in Jesus Christ. Jesus is this bridge that brings us over all the troubled waters of life, even when the fog of life is so thick, we can't see or understand what's happening. Our hope in Jesus is not a wish. It is a confident expectation. We surrender our life to Jesus and confidently expect that he will forgive, will heal our wounds in this life, will put his spirit in us, will uh, give our earthly lives purpose, and will bring us safely across to heaven's shore. There's hope for every person in Jesus Christ. Now, to help us kind of stay in this and let it sink in, uh, the four-day worship experience, it's an app on the Uversion, it's a, a plan on the Uversion Bible app. If you haven't already, don't download the app. It's great. The Bible's on your phone. You can read it or listen to it. Go down to plans at the bottom. Find 40-day worship experience. Start with day eight tomorrow. And it just helps you clear some time in your day where you can just stay in the hope that Jesus gives you. It's a great way to start your day. So do that. If you have already, you know the benefit. If you haven't, uh, try it out. The second thing I'm going to suggest is I'm going to read it. It's a little bit longer prayer than I usually give us as a church family, but it's a prayer that helps you remember you find your hope in Jesus and then reminds you that we want other people to have this hope. So listen to the prayer. Lord Jesus, life is foggy and I can't see a way through. Thank you that you have hope for me when I don't. Thank you that you say there's hope for my future. Thank you that you can lift me up out of the pit of despair and set my feet on a firm foundation. Thank you that we don't invite people into a wish, 
we invite people into a confident expectation that you will bring them through. Amen. The hope in Jesus that everybody needs that's available for everyone. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you sent your son and that he lived his life with hope in you, this confident expectation that he would be able to follow your plan for his life, that even through his death you would bring about resurrection and life, not just for him but for us. We thank you that you don't leave us to our own designs trying to make our own hope up, trying to be strong. We just give up. We surrender. And thank you that you give us hope. It's not a wish, but it's a sure, certain, confident expectation that you will bring us through. We pray in Jesus' name and we all say, Amen.